Well, welcome everyone. Uh, glad you joined us today. We're interviewing uh, Nathan Bryant of Assist uh, Church Expansion. I didn't uh, grow up in the fellowship, and I, I hear that maybe you didn't either. Uh, tell us how you got uh, familiar with the Caris Fellowship. Well, I, I grew up in Maine in an independent uh, Baptist church. I uh, went to school for three years in New Brunswick, Canada at a Bible Institute and was trying to figure out how to finish my school. And I'm a twin. My twin brother is Phil, as many people know. He went into the Army, went to Word of Life Bible Institute on the Tennessee Temple. And then we decided, hey, we'd like to find a school that we can go together, finish our degree at. So we went to Washington Bible College. Then I went on to Capital Bible Seminary and still connected to a Baptist church there. We were serving in different ministries. Uh, and I was recruited by Pastor Jeff Thornley of the Waldorf Grace Brethren Church. Uh, to be an intern for him and uh, just fell in love with with the fellowship. Pastor Thornley was an amazing mentor for me. He actually let me live in his home for the whole summer. So I just, you know, really got connected to the fellowship through the Chesapeake District and through Pastor Jeff Thornley. The other piece was was Pastor Jeff Thornley had, had uh, empowered me to oversee a ministry he was trying to start for the fellowship called Total Mobilization Support Ministries in partnership with uh, GBIM now and Compass, that, that gave me a broader sense of the fellowship as I was able to travel, visit churches, meet people, and just made me fall in love with the fellowship more and more. Uh, in 94, 95-ish, uh, Kurt Miller was trying to find someone to come to Canada. Uh, the the GBIM had committed to, to being in Canada and was looking for a team, and uh, he was recruiting uh, me, and I said, "Well, go talk to Pastor. Go talk to Bartley Sawaski, who who I went to school with in Canada, as well as at Washington Bible College and Capital Bible Seminary." But anyway, Kurt Miller recruited B Bartley, and then he recruited my brother, and then I felt like, "Man, I need to help these guys get a plan." And they recruited me. June first, nineteen ninety seven, uh, we all moved up here uh, to Canada, Bartley, Philip, and I, uh, to start uh, the first Grace Brethren churches uh, yeah. wow. in, in Port. The Lord enabled us to to plant four churches. Uh, we saw almost 100 adults come to know Christ and get baptized, and, and, and the church just grow in a tremendous way. We have, we have three churches that are here, and about uh, six or 700 folks that would meet on Sundays uh, among those churches. What was in your heart that moved you to uh, start Assist? Initially, I was just trying to save GoTo and, and make sure that we had an organization for our fellowship that we could work together on to plant churches. Um, and in the meantime, I was realizing that GoTo wasn't viable. So <clears throat> I went back to my GB Canada board and said, hey guys, uh, I have this amazing vision for wanting to see our fellowship become a movement and uh, has been worked on by numerous guys across our family. Uh, would you guys be willing to embrace this as a, as a new vision for our, our organization? And they're like, yeah, we love it. This is fantastic. We, we decided, okay, we're going to move forward uh, with, with this new organization, uh, and we changed our name to Assist. So we, we came up with six big ideas that came out of those meetings with, the, with, with these key leaders, and I'll just kind of share three of those big ideas with you. The first, the first big idea is that we don't believe, or I don't believe, that organizations plant churches. Uh, leaders in churches plant churches, <laughs> Organizations can help. So that's why we use the word assist. Our, our posture is local church focused. We're not trying to control. We're, we're trying to work and come alongside the local church to help it and to help it accomplish 
reproducing and also growing and thriving as a church. So our focus is in that space. So that's why we're using the word assist as our name, because that's what we intend to be as an assist. We don't want to be a long-term engaged uh, organization with a, with a project or with a church or, or anything. We want to be short-term local church focus and, and make sure that the, the control is given to the local church in terms of what's happening and how it's moving forward. The second big idea is we want to see our fellowship become a movement. And so uh, we, we want to be thinking about how we actually uh, um, do that. And if we just focus on church planning, that's great. But our fellowship had used to have 300 churches. Now it has 200 churches. Yeah. We used to have 36,000 people. Now we have 37,000 people. That's with 17,000 new people from 10 churches across our family over the last 20 years. We've lost 15,000 people in our family. So we have to be thinking about revitalization and restarting churches because we have so many churches that are, that are aging out. <clears throat> and if we don't do something to help them, we're going to lose them. Now, I didn't really realize how serious that was when I first started, but I knew that there was something there. So we wanted to be part of helping churches, not just plant new ones, but stop the ones from closing. So if we're going to actually grow, uh, that's where we wanted to focus. So we, we're working with church planting as well as campusing and multi-siting and revitalization and restarts, and also what we call vision refresh, which is helping churches rethink about their future and make some adjustments to be better. Wow. We're also wanting to adopt churches into our fellowship. I mean, I didn't grow up in the fellowship. It doesn't sound like you did either. And we love it here. And we think this is a great spot. And, and to, uh, I think there's other guys just like us who would love to be part of our family and part of our team to do mission for Jesus. Yeah. The third big idea is what we call legacy churches. And, um, you know, we, we don't think we're going to be everything for everyone. Uh, but what are we trying to do? We're trying to actually, we're trying to actually grow our fellowship, our family with more adult churches, churches that, you know, sit around the table and uh, they not only do they eat the food, but they actually help pay for the, the rent, and <laughs> do the laundry and wash the dishes and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I mean by adult churches. It doesn't mean that other kinds of churches are bad, but that's what we're focused on. We want to see us have more churches to do more with. So a legacy church is a self-sustaining church. It's a self organized self-governed church it's a church that's reaching lost people regularly seeing regular conversions and baptism it's a church that's focused on reproducing and it's also a church that's part of our fellowship and it's a resourcing church to our families it's helping to provide resources for the ministries within our fellowship and cooperating with one another to accomplish the mission of god together those three big ideas are our anchoring anchored to what we're trying to accomplish and who we are as an organization. We're currently working with over 30, 35 churches in some capacity. We have 21 churches with, with partnership contracts with us that we're working with to revitalize, restart, vision, refresh, or uh, to help with church planting. We're also engaged with a number of churches to bring them into adoption into our fellowship. When I first started to travel uh, uh, in the U.S., connecting with the churches across the country, um, that's when I started to realize the state of our family. I didn't, I didn't, I knew it somewhat, but I didn't realize it. You know, I went to Florida. They used to have 28 or 29 churches and now they have like 13. And I went to uh, Southern California used to have like 32 churches. Now they have like 15 Northern California used to have 11 churches and now they only have like five. So, wow, <laughs> we, we've got to do something. And so that's when we really started to push into the revitalization space, started to look at what other denominations were doing realizing that our fellowship isn't the only one that churches are aging out on. We, 
that's happening all across North America. Yep. And so yep. there are other denominations that have some strategies to do that. So we started to push into figuring out what they were doing, how that was working for them, what we could learn. And we created a five-step uh, process that we're really excited about that, that is really enabling us to provide real help to churches uh, that need to revitalize, to restart, or just need to, to refresh their vision to help have a better future. We're not prescriptive as it relates to strategy or method. So we, we, we bring a, a strategic planning process. We bring coaching resources and partnerships. What we don't bring is a prescriptive way to do church. So we're not telling you, hey, if you're going to work with assist, you must plant this kind of church or you must have this kind of church. We're not doing that. We want a church that's, that's, that's healthy and functional. We call a working model of church that is effectively reaching the lost, integrating them into their community, developing healthy, mature disciples, and developing and multiplying leaders, which ultimately leads to multiplying churches. So that's what we're looking for. And that's what we're going to help you do. How you do it and what it looks like in your context we're wide open, Good. but we want to see that together. We want to see a plan. We want to see it organized. We want to help you build that uh, together so we can reach and make disciples for Jesus. But we're not prescriptive. And I think that's a really important concept. That people well, if a guy was thinking about getting involved somehow, he Maybe somebody wants to plant a church, or they think they'd be a good leader of a restart church or a revitalization church. What what would they do? We would love to talk with them. I absolutely love to talk with them. Uh, you know, whether you're you're a church that's like, man, we maybe could use some help. People could come in and help us, or you're an individual who's like, man, I'm, I'm been, God's been putting on my heart this vision for what He'd want me to do. We would love to have conversations either way with that. So just check out our website. Go to assistcx.org. And, and just click on, uh, make an appointment, and we'll we'll connect with you. And we'd love to to talk about what God's putting in your heart to do. Wow, wow, that's that's terrific. With what you know about Northeast Ohio, is, if you were at our ministry and saying something there, is there something you'd want to say to us? Well, for one, you have a wonderful district. You have a lot of great men, great churches, and and the opportunity for cooperative engagement there is really really high and strong. So I just encourage you to continue to foster that relationship with one another. I also think it's important that the, the ministerium really knows what's happening among all the churches, because in my experience, as I've been traveling across the country, some of the districts that we have are, are really challenged. And, and there has not been a church could be hurting and nobody knows. And, and what typically will happen is if the pastor stops connecting with the district and with the fellowship as a whole, the people of the church, of course, be, they don't know. And, and over a season, you might have a whole generation of people who know nothing about our fellowship. So if something happens, if the pastor leaves or dies or something happens, and he's, they don't know where to go. They have no contact. They don't even know we exist. They don't know who to talk to. And so uh, that creates a huge problem. Uh, and so I just really encourage the, the fellowship to the, the district to, to, to work at cooperating with one another figure out the layers of where they can make connections with one another. It's really important. But also the churches that are, that are disconnected, that there's there's an effort to engage them, to connect with them, to know where they are. And then to go deeper than just the leader, the, the pastor, go to the elders, see what's happening at that level, make relationships at that level, because ultimately in the long-term space of the church, you know those relationships have to be made if they're going to stay in our family, cooperate well together and get the most out of our fellowship. If you hear about a church that's in trouble or you're, you're you know, whatever, I'm, I'm wide open to hear, you know, I really feel um, 
the Lord has just given me a tremendous compassion for our fellowship. And I, I, I do not want to see another church go down. Like I do not. Uh, one, one last thing I will tell you is that the NEO district is, is the cornerstone uh, outside of the Waldorf church in our Philip and I's home church uh, of, of our movement in Canada. They, they have been anchored. They've been the anchor for us over these 23 years now. And it's been it's been incredible. So we have tremendous support and encouragement. We have we have you know in Ashland at the Ashland Church they have a prayer group that meets once a month and prays for us every month. They have a group that for the last twenty years they've done that. They've got ten to twelve people that meet every month and pray for like. So we have we have nothing but amazing encouragement and joy from the NEO district. Have been involved with it all the time that we've been part of of what we're doing. Yep. And so I just want to send a big thank you out to the NEO district for your help, your support, all the teams you've sent and the more it just, we, we wouldn't be here. God wouldn't be doing what he's doing if, if you guys haven't been behind us. So thank you. Yeah. You know, I would like to take credit for what is happening with assist. I mean, in three years we've, we've gone from nothing to over 35 churches engaged in all kinds of stuff. That's all God, God, God is doing it. And God has brought us to a place where the, the need is so great in our family and he's, he's having us stand in that space. It doesn't mean we're the only ones. There are other churches that are helping churches. There are you know, all kinds of things. that are, We're not the only thing that God can use in our family. We don't think that. We don't posture ourselves that way. We don't want to be that. But we, we believe that God has allowed us to be in a space where there's so much need and so much opportunity. And he's given us some really talented and capable people to help us on our team, um, as well as a, a, a strategy that... that uh, is quite exciting and we're really eager to to help others engage with that how can we be praying for you what you what you can pray for is all the projects go on the assist website and check out all the projects i mean there's so many cool things dane caraway and his wife anna are in towson maryland trying to plant a church they arrived there the next day they arrived COVID hit all the rules for COVID. they can't meet their neighbor they can't have meetings. They can't talk to people. They got to stay in there. <laughs> How do you start a church? Pray. They need prayer. They need prayer. You know, we've got Laban Reeves we're working with and restarting the church there in Harlem. Uh, uh, just a great guy. And, and wouldn't we love to have a wonderful thriving church in Harlem? Well, we've got a, a wonderful family committed to seeing that happen there. We can be praying for them. So pray for them. Pray for all these different things. I'm, I'm thinking of Eric Holtrip, who's in the Bowling Green Church in Ohio trying to restart that and giving it a new day. It was down to 21 people. The average age was over 75. Like there's so many cool things that God's doing, but these people need prayer. And it's a serious deal. Like when we're trying to create new thriving spiritual communities in a place uh, where it hasn't been, you better believe that there's a lot of opposition to that in all kinds of ways. And we need to be praying that God would allow them to not just grow numerically, but we would see conversion. People come to know Jesus. Praying for me, I travel a lot. It's tricky on my family. I still have two kids at home. And so, and with COVID rules, it makes it even more crazy. So just trying to figure out how to navigate that uh, is is hard. Um, But just you can pray for that. Pray for our support. I mean, we... A lot of churches haven't given anything to to church planting or church re- revitalization in 20, 30 years, uh, some churches. So there isn't there isn't like a, a base of support that transitioned to us when we started. That's not how it's happened. We've had some churches step in, and we've had our, our historical churches that have supported our Canadian ministry have faithfully stayed with us through this transition and enabled us to move forward with strength. 
Uh, and we've had some uh, one or two people uh, step up uh, with with very generous gifts. And GBIF has been tremendous uh, to, to us. So, but we need we need support, you know, from the churches across the fellowship to help us do the ministry of serving our family. Our goal is to see our fellowship become a movement, and I'd like to see us, by God's grace, be growing by five percent annually. Our target is two thousand thirty. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. And again, we don't think as a CIS is the only one that's going to be part of it. We think all of us, all the organizations, all the churches partnering together, doing it together, we'd like to see us get there. Wow. <clears throat> okay, good. Thank you very much.